Welcome into the Get Out of Porn podcast. I'm your host, Joe Wilkie. This week's episode, I want to focus on what I had talked about previously, and that is the idea of the head and the heart disconnect. This happens a lot, especially, I mean, throughout life. This isn't just an issue with pornography. This is an issue throughout life with so many different facets where we can know something up top. We can we can logically understand something. That doesn't mean we know it, feel it, understand it internally, in our heart, emotionally. So, for instance, you have a lot of Christians who say, I know God loves me. They, they logically grasp that. They logically know this. But they say, I don't feel that God loves me. There's a disconnect between that. You may say, well, I know, honey, that you didn't mean those things when you said that, but it still very much feels like you meant to say that. Once again, this is not an issue specifically just for addiction, but we see this a lot in porn addiction because a lot of what I talk about, you may have, have experienced this as you're listening if you're an addict, where you go, yeah, Joe, I get that. I know. I know. That's why I don't spend a whole lot of time on head knowledge. I don't spend a whole lot of time in my therapy work with people on the behavioral and on like understanding the addiction. You can read Your Brain on Porn by Gary Wilson. You can read... Um, all the fight the new drug content out there. You can grow in your knowledge of the addiction and understand every facet of it and understand how it works and still be in the addiction. How? This is not a logical issue. This is not an intellectual issue. And most of the time when you see, you know, we're going to work through this very quickly, what they do is they hit the intellect. Whether that be therapists or people online that are trying to make a quick buck off of you, whatever it is, they they hit the intellect portion and hey if you can just write these things down and if you just track whatever it may be and you um, put these things put these certain filters on your computer then that will solve the problem and what that does is it keeps you from it physically it helps you understand some things intellectually as to maybe why you're doing it but we're not actually solving the real issue the underlying issues emotionally I know I've talked on this before on the podcast but I think it's I wanted to dedicate an entire episode to that disconnect and so the way I look at it is let's say you have a guy, and as you're looking at this man, you can see his head and you can see his his neck and his chest, and the this this little bubble pops out of his head that says, "I know that I'm okay and that I'm safe when I'm alone." Something. Let's just say that I know that I'm safe when I'm alone. But then that thought bubble is trying to travel from the head down to the heart, where he can feel. I'm okay and I'm safe and I'm worthy of love when I'm alone. But on on the way down, it goes boop and it hits this little blockage and it has to stay inside the brain. It's like this thought that is is subtly trying to travel down to the heart and there's a blockage in the neck area. This is how I always describe it and it's a lot easier. I can't describe it. Usually I, uh, I'm i in person with somebody or they can see as I'm talking about it traveling from the head down to the heart and a lot more easily to easy to visualize at the same time, what I'm trying to get across is there's a blockage in the neck. It's starting to travel down. What is that blockage? What's keeping that a head knowledge thing and not a heart knowledge? You know you're safe and you know you're worthy of love even when you're alone. Logically understand it. I can tell you that and you go, I get that, I get that, I know. You don't feel it. Why not? That blockage usually is trauma or some negative emotional event that is pushing you to believe that that's not the case. So I can logically tell you that, you can logically grasp it, 
but there may have been a time when you were six and you were left alone for a long period of time, or you were bullied in middle school and you were rejected and abandoned and, and kind of the outcast in middle school and you learned, I'm not okay when I'm alone. I'm not okay. Or maybe when you were alone, your parents would send you to, to time out or whatever and they leave you for hours on end to think about what you did and you learn that when I'm alone, things aren't good. Or maybe there was a time when you were alone and somebody came in and, and abused you in some way. And you start thinking, I'm not safe when I'm alone. You start feeling unsafe. You start feeling unloved when you're alone. So then we, you know, fast forward 20 years, you're in this addiction. And every single time you're alone, you're home alone, your wife walks out the door, you get triggered. You get aroused. All of a sudden, you want to start acting out when she walks out and you're home alone. Why? You hate being home alone. You hate being alone at all. Why? Because you don't feel worthy of love when you're alone. You don't feel safe when you're alone. But you logically grasp it. It's not a logical issue. So what do we have to do? This is the deep trauma work. We've talked about internal family systems. We've talked about, I mentioned brain spotting, reparenting. We have to go back and give your younger self love and acceptance and to sit with him in that loneliness to realize I've always been here for myself. And it's even more powerful when we invite Jesus into the memory and we say, what do you think Jesus thinks of you? Well, Jesus, he loves me. I know he's here for me. You have Jesus give the younger self a hug. And it's such a powerful moment. Why? Because you're starting to heal the wounds emotionally. You're starting to feel worthy of love when you were at your most lonely point. It's no longer a head issue. Now we're actually hitting the heart. We're going back to when the heart issue began. Because my goodness, I mean, as an adult, it's so easy to, to understand these things. Even as a kid, it might be easy to understand. But man, that hurts as a kid. That hurts to be alone. It's one thing to be alone now and to know if, if you have appropriate attachment, if you have um, not as much trauma surrounding loneliness, then you're perfectly fine being alone. As a matter of fact, you see people in life who crave to be alone. Can I just get alone with my thoughts for a second? And then you have those that are terrified of being alone. They cannot stand being alone. And sometimes this speaks to anxious ambivalent attachment where if I'm left alone, somebody will not come back. That might speak to, to past trauma of neglect, past trauma of somebody being left by a parent. A lot of times this happens in divorce. This can happen in other times of even with daycare. I've heard some where they were left at daycare at a very young age and it really affected them and, and caused them to feel like my parents don't care. And when they leave, when I'm left alone, I'm unsafe because I used to get picked on a daycare. That happens a lot. So those things can come forward. And once again, as an adult, you look at that and say, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Matter of fact, I send my kids to daycare, whatever it is, right? I, I think daycare is horrible and I don't think you should. But either way, um, you may look at that from a logical adult perspective and have no idea why you're continuing to act out or why you're continuing to struggle in these areas because logically you grasp it all and we focus so much on logic. We don't focus on the feeling. We don't focus on the inner child work that has to be done very often in our lives. Logic's what gets us by. Logic's what gets us love. Logic's what, what gets us our job, makes us our money. That's all logical. So why would we need the emotion? And we can actually start to cut off the emotion and pretend like the heart doesn't matter. And we can say, because I logically grasp it upstairs, why would I even need to shoot that thought down to my heart? Let's forget about the fact that you have Fort Knox uh, in your neck that's keeping you keeping that locked up in your head. I mean, there's no way that you're going to get through it, right? There's no way that it's going to go down to the heart because it is such a barrier. You say, well, why would I even need to go around the barrier? Because every time I even feel emotion, it only serves to hurt me. It only serves to ruin my life. 
I got angry at my spouse and maybe she pulled away from me. Maybe she threatened to leave me. That's what emotion gets me. Anytime I show emotion, it's negative. When I showed emotion as a kid, it got rejected. My parents didn't care. My friends made fun of me. Therefore, emotion has never really helped me and I'm going to stay logical. And then we try to get out of the addiction by what? Growing logically. Well, there's your problem. You have elevated the intellect above the emotion and both have to be present. Jonathan Haidt, who's the author of um, Coddling the American Mind and, and a few other great books surrounding sociology and, and yeah, just all, all interesting stuff. Anyway, he has the idea in one of his books about the brain being and the intellect being the man riding an elephant. The elephant is the emotion. Now, we can shoot the elephant and just go on foot, but we're not really going to get where we're going very fast, right? It's not, that's not good. We don't want to do that. We can also allow the elephant to just take us right into the jungle and not lead it ourselves. The two have to work in tandem. The emotions are a big animal that can be daunting. They can be, it can be scary. It can be a lot of different things when we're in our emotions, but that can be a really powerful thing. The same way that an elephant can, it, it can be a fantastic thing to get to ride on top of an elephant. You cover a lot of ground very quickly. And when it's in, in tune with its rider and the rider's guiding it in the right way, you can do a lot of good things. But so many people, specifically in the addiction realm, they're not in their emotions very often because if they are, it's a lot easier to work with. Most of them are in the intellect and they just shot the elephant. Then they wonder why everything's going so slowly. They wonder why they can't get over certain areas. It's like, well, yeah, because you shot the elephant you were on. You decided emotions no longer mattered. You confirmed that blockage in your neck. You confirmed that that has a reason to stay there. No, it doesn't. That's, that's unprocessed trauma. Those are the things that are really going to affect you for the rest of your life unless you deal with them because there will always be the blockage there. You have to do trauma work to get rid of those things. That's why I'm such a believer in therapy. You can get through porn addiction without therapy. I'm not saying you can't. I did. I didn't go to therapy. Um, but I've, I've done a lot of therapeutic things on myself, brain spotting, internal family systems, reparenting, all of those things on my own. Um, whether that's good or not, uh, don't judge me. <laughs> save a lot of money that way. But I think it's really helpful to go to therapy for this reason. If you're struggling with the disconnect between those two and you have decided that emotions no longer matter, that's really not healthy. Get yourself some help. Understand that emotions have a part to play. You cannot kill emotions. I, I understand the killing the elephant analogy, but you really can't kill emotions. It just transforms into something else. It's like filling up the water bottle and it ends up bursting out the sides or pouring over the top. You can only fill it up so much with unprocessed emotions, with emotions that you continue to stuff down and act like, oh, there's more room for that. There's more room. Like the, the closet that you shove all of the emotions in and then somebody pops the door, which is a trigger and it goes and it floods out and about crushes you under the weight of everything. We're afraid of letting that out. That's what therapy's for. When you do that, you start making connections between the brain and, and, and the heart. That has to happen to work through addiction. If you logic your way out of the addiction, then all it takes is for one thing to emotionally destroy you and you'll be back in it. If you emotionally work through the addiction, but you haven't really logically processed it, then you won't know all of the steps to get out of it. And you will be much more open to um, triggers and, and seeing these things because you're not actively avoiding it. The head isn't involved. You're not getting things, filters on your computer and such because the head doesn't matter. You have to have both present. Both elements are, are vitally important here. So to wrap up, Fix the disconnect between your head and the heart. If you can understand one thing and really can't feel it, you can't let the emotion rise as you think about this, 
I know God loves me, but I really don't feel God loves me. I know that I'm not unworthy of love. I know I'm worthy, but I don't feel worthy of love. If there's that disconnect present internally, look to fix it and understand why can't I feel it? What has happened in my past that has really solidified that core negative belief that I'm unworthy of love, that that maybe God doesn't love me or that I'm not safe or whatever that may be? You have to determine what that is. And until you do that, I think you might still continue to struggle with your addiction. So I'm going to wrap up here. Thank you for listening. Once again, let me know your comments uh, if you have any. I don't post this on Facebook. I probably should. That may be something I'm looking to do more. But I hope this helps, and I will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening.